Bartleby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What up, Bracago? What up, everybody here in Twitch land, here in podcast land? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I am Khalif Adams, master of audio and master of all things streaming. Not having my audio on mute for three times during the beginning of the show uh, and understanding how technology works in all the different ways that technology actually works. So I'm happy to all see, happy to see you all. Happy that you're all here. Um, happy to be rocking with you all. Thank you so much for coming through this week and every week. Uh, thank you for for dealing with my uh, ineptitude in terms of getting audio into a streaming software. Uh, so all that thing and all those things, how they work. Um, First of all, thank you everybody for coming through last week. It was really fantastic to have everybody come through. We have some wonderful folks already hanging out with us in the chat. We have some wonderful folks hanging out with us at home. I hope you are all doing everything you possibly can to keep yourself safe. Wash your hands, wash your butt, make sure that you are taking care of yourself and your family in all the ways you possibly can. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to the wonderful folks over at Annapurna Interactive for sponsoring our show this week again. Uh, massive love to them in their game, The Pathless, that has come out. Uh, make sure that you are checking for that amazing game that has been out probably for a week or so now. Uh, so uh, give uh, them a big shout out again for supporting the show and, and, and believing in us in all the ways that they usually and always do because I love to do them. Uh, they are fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Pathless a little bit later in the show. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing okay uh, here in Bracago. I think, you know, this week has been uh, a pretty busy one. It's been fairly uh, busy with work, uh, with prepping things for the show, with preparing things for uh, the 28th of November, which is going to be a very interesting day. Uh, if you like rib beef, uh, that day is going to be a day that you should be sticking around the internets. Because uh, there's going to be some fun uh, happening there. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be lots of cool stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, I, we'll all be a part of it and we'll all figure out good ways to, to enjoy that stuff in those ways. I think for this week, we have a pretty damn good show. Uh, one that I'm really excited about uh, because we have not only conversations around the Game Awards, uh, which just got their uh, nominations uh, shared all over the internet today. Uh, but we have a fantastic interview that's going to be coming up a little bit later in the show uh, with, you know, somebody who I have been uh, trying to get on our show for a very long time since, uh, gosh, three years ago when I first saw her on an E3 stage uh, doing her thing. Uh, for the folks over at Xbox, Sarah Bond will be joining us uh, in this episode. Uh, so I'm very, very excited to, to rock with her today. Um, so before we get into that interview, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the news. We're going to have a little bit of a different format uh, for this episode. Uh, usually we kind of do that stuff towards the end of the show. Uh, we're going to do that in the upfront. And I think that, you know, that's going to be uh, how it rolls for 360 folk uh, for everybody. I think the most interesting part about today was... Um, kind of digging into the conversation around the Game Awards, which I think, of course, every year is one of the highlights of the year in the gaming industry. It is still the Grammys of gaming. I think they have done uh, 
Jeff Keighley has done a phenomenal job of making that show as big as it was as as big as it could possibly be. And I think this year with them uh, figuring out ways and strategies around COVID to have the game awards, not only in one place, like they usually do in LA, but now in three places in London, I think, I think LA, London, and I forget where the third place is. I I think I'm going to say overseas uh, somewhere else. uh, That's like far East. I think, I I don't know why I thought Japan uh, was the other place that that, the show was going to be, but it's going to be in three different places this year, which I think is going to be, Pretty interesting to see how Jeff Keighley knocks that out of the park again with all the time differences and all the kind of new shows and and everything kind of happening in that space. I think that's going to be extremely interesting to see how he pulls that off. But I think for us tonight, what we're going to talk about is less about the pomp and circumstance of the show. It is in Tokyo. Okay, someone in chat says it's in Tokyo. See, I had a feeling it was in in, in Japan. Um the pomp and circumstance is one thing. And again, you know, Jeff, we got to get Jeff on the show at some point. I feel like Keely has, we've been ships in the night often. Uh, and I need to reach back out to him to see if we can snag him to come on the show uh, before the game awards. Maybe I doubt it. Cause he's going to be super busy planning it, but it may be a cool way to bring him on and talk about some stuff. Uh, but I want to kind of go through uh, today. I want to kind of go through some of the categories that they have up and some of the nominees that are in that Um in those bunches, uh, a thing that just popped into mind that I that I need to give love on is we have to give a big Bracago round of applause and massive amount of love to our homie, the one and only Zombie Kills, who is now a Twitch partner, who has got gotten partnered on GlitchCon live uh, on stream in front of the world. Uh, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. I am infinitely happy for her. If there is anybody who deserves partnership on Twitch, it is Zombie. She is constantly busting her ass. She has done so much work in this space, and she is brilliant. Um, and 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 she's killing it for only being in this industry really in like six to seven months. I've never seen anybody grow this fast in this way, um, and she deserves it. She deserves everything she she's, she she gets, and she um, she works hard. So it's nice to be able to see people who work hard get what they deserve. Uh, and I had to say that because I, if I didn't, I would have forgotten. But uh, massive love out to Zombie. Uh, hopefully she'll remember us when she gets so big that she forgets the little people. <laughs> it's hard to forget little people when you're a little person. But but that's the way it winds up going. So I want to kind of just get into uh, Game Awards discussion. Uh, I want to kind of bring up some of the categories and talk through... Uh, you know, some of the uh, nominees that we have uh, for the show. So the first one we're going to talk about is Best Indie Game. You know, Best Indie Game right now has Carry On, Fall Guys, Hades, Spelunky 2, and Spiritfarer. This is an interesting category. I think, you know, when we think about um, what those games represent, of course, the indie space is always going to be a little bit um, kind of all over the place, right? Because you have so many newcomers to, to, to the space. You have so many um, different uh, avenues for games to kind of be in the space. You also have so many different genres of games that wind up being in here. And this is going to be a really interesting uh, category this year because the big head-to-head names in this one are going to be Fall Guys, Hades, and Spelunky 2. This is a difficult, a difficult, difficult, difficult um category to pick from this year 
Uh, and the reason is because Hades was a game that came out a while ago and then magically came back out of nowhere, pulled pulled the super comeback, and then has become the, the darling of the industry this year. And for good reason, Supergiant just makes good shit. Like Supergiant just, just knocks it out the park every time that they do something. So I am not surprised by the fact that a, that a, a, a Supergiant game is in that is in that grouping. Um, but it is interesting to see how they have pulled that game back. And which is weird because the, the bugged out thing is like that game wasn't ever. Whoops, I knocked, I knocked my mic. Um, wasn't ever a game that was like panned or bad or any of that kind of stuff. Like it was a game where um, I always thought that the game was dope. I don't know why it like kind of fell off and then came back. So that was an interesting thing. Oh, Spelunky 2, which is one of my favorite games of the year already, because I'm a huge Spelunky fan. Uh, Moss Mouth again coming through with uh, a brilliant uh, sequel to their original game. And then the Dark Horse, or not even Dark Horse, really, because it's a game that took everybody by storm, was Fall Guys this year. Fall Guys blew up in a way that nobody expected. There's nobody on this planet who could have seen Fall Guys coming in the way that they did, except for me, because I called it back at E3 a year ago. Um, I didn't think, even I didn't know it was going to get this big, though. I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to like take over the world for like six months. Um, so that is going to be a very interesting pick for the judges to to, to go through and see who's going to win the best indie game, which I think is probably going to be the biggest or toughest kind of decision this year, besides... I don't even think game of the year is going to be that tough of a decision, but I think that game is those three games right there are going to be hard to pick through uh, to make sure that you have a a champion in that space. So if any one of those three wins, then, you know, they deserve it. Also, Carrion is a really good game. I think people should play it. I have not played Spiritfarer, but everybody I know who loves it really loves it. They talk about it a lot um, and they, and they dig through it a lot and they're like, yo, that game is so fantastic. You need to play that joint. Um, So yeah, I've, I've heard good things about it, but I have not played it. So, um, that's best indie space. I think that's going to be a really cool uh, conversation piece after whoever wins, wins it. Uh, I feel like the internet is definitely going to be in a place where they're going to be talking mad stuff uh, about who won that thing. Um, next up is best multiplayer. Uh, we have Animal Crossing New Horizons, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys Ultimate, uh, Knockout Again, and Valorant. Yeah, this one is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty interesting too. I think Among Us is one of those games like Fall Guys that kind of didn't come out of nowhere, but it was a game that definitely pulled together lots of different people. We saw what happened with AOC on on her stream. You know, they were playing that game as as the the main game to play. Um, It has caused a lot of, not controversy, but it's caused a lot of uh, people who didn't play together to play together, which I thought was pretty interesting. It also made you understand exactly who are your friends who are liars and the really good liars, <laughs> which was, which was actually pretty cool too. Um, I, I like that game a lot. I just don't play it enough because I just, it gets mad. It gets me mad. That game gets me actually upset. Like, cause I'm not a, I am not an argumentative person. So when you have a game that makes you argue, I can't, I can't mess with it. I can't mess with it. It's one of those things that just makes me super, super anxious and mad. And I'm just like, I can't rock with it. Warzone is the is the darling of all the shooters here of course warzone deserves to be in there fall guys again super super reasonable for that game to be in there animal crossing as best multiplayer though i don't know 
know about that there. That one, I'm like, mm, maybe, but kind of not really. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I am not big on, on, on Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing to me, every time I played, it feels like busy work. And that, and that busy work just doesn't feel like it's fun in that, in the way that I have an expectation for a multiplayer game to be. Valorant was just too, 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 too big for my, for my my bridges because I'm not a mouse and keys player. So I played like two days of Valorant and then had to turn it off because I was like, I suck. Um, so I was like, God damn it. I'm not, I'm just not good at this game. I can't, I can't mess with it. Um, I would probably think that the, the, the multiplayer crown is going to go between Fall Guys and Warzone. Um, I definitely think that those two are, are going to be in there uh, for that, for sure. Um, we will see what happens when that happens, uh, when it comes up for, for, for that category. But I do think that in terms of the, the one that probably will be the sneak in will be Among Us on that one for sure. I think I think Among Us has a very uh, has such a has an interesting vibe to it that you can't really explain in a lot of different ways. But I think it may pull it through. Um, next up, uh, we're going to talk about best narrative. Uh, so let's see, best narrative for this year uh, is Thirteen Sentinels, uh, Aegis Rim, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and Last of Us Two. Oof, this is going to be. Pretty, pretty, like, people are going to get mad at me for this one. <laughs> because I don't think Ghost of Tsushima should be in this one. I honestly don't. I think Ghost of Tsushima had a bad story. I don't think that story was good at all. I thought that joke was whack. I thought it was pretty whack. I think, I think honestly, and people have looked at my review. Like, look at, look at my, look at my review on, on YouTube. I thought the story was pretty weak. I thought it was, wasn't that great. Final Fantasy VII remake is there because it's a final fantasy game and it's, it's because it's final fantasy seven and everybody loves final fantasy, final fantasy seven i don't think i don't think that i just saw chat chat gamertag radio whoever the hell that is who, who let them in said they think that my ribs are whack all right november 28th we'll see um but uh final fantasy 7 remake i think is an okay award i mean okay game i think it's all right i think it's decent i think what they did with the with the new uh battle systems are actually fantastic i think that game is great in terms of that um i think that from a story perspective i was really upset especially as a person who was who was returning to that game so i i will say this because I have to always put this disclaimer in when I talk about Final Fantasy VII because Final, Final Fantasy VII stands will jump into the bushes and then try to stab me in the middle of the night because uh, I said I don't like the game. But that game as a story is is an okay story that has been built up over the years because of nostalgia, and I don't think it's that good. <laughs> I actually, I, for for at least three months after after uh, finishing that game and 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 reviewing it. The tag in my Twitter bio was Shinra was right uh, for a while, <laughs> for like three months. <laughs> I was like, yo, Shinra is dope. Screw all these freaking stupid avalanche kids. I hate them. Um, so that was that. Hades is a, pretty, is a pretty great story. I think that they've combined and got some things together um, and made that pretty, pretty smartly uh, put together from that game's perspective as a roguelike and actually giving it a story that people kind of care about. I thought that was brilliant. I think the runaway for this is Last of Us Two. I think Last of Us Part Two was such a was such a, a better game than everything else that's in this list. 
that the picking picking that is pretty easy in my mind. Um, so we're going to move over on to best ongoing game. I think I've never really liked that as a category name. It's like game that just keeps going game that just keeps doing stuff and making new versions. It's like, they should just call this joint game best patches <laughs> game with the best patches award. <laughs> Cause I just don't understand why they would make that the name of the thing. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, so let's see. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Call of, War, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, No Man's Sky. I I mean, I, I think, to be fair, to be fair, Destiny 2 should probably win this off of GP. I think No Man's Sky, if, you, if you're ever going to do a best ongoing game and you don't give it to No Man's Sky then that's kind of messed up because of everybody else about out of all the games that were here that that were in this list no man's sky had the biggest turnaround from not great game to amazing game in a, a fairly short amount of time if you really want to talk about the game that did the best in this grouping i think apex legends actually should get a good nod here because Apex Legends has done a fairly good job of continuing to be consistent. Like they haven't really had any fall off except for that one video that I saw with, with the homie Doc Brooke and, and my fam, uh, Catatonic Mango, where one of the characters was flying around the screen, hanging onto a, onto a drone and it was a bug and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was fantastic and amazing. Uh, but that was, that was, that was, that was amazing. It was art. I don't even know what else that you can say about that. It was great. But I would, for me, I would give this as e easily to No Man's Sky. I think No Man's Sky should definitely win this again. I think they also have done a good job of steady streams of content that you don't really expect. Uh, you know, they've made so many different changes. You see them working on making that game even better on on next gen. It runs amazingly smooth now. Like it is buttery in the way when you when you jump into worlds now and. The weird thing is like, I want to play that game with, with, with people. I want to, I want to play that game and build stuff and actually like make the world around me, uh, that we want, like make our little group base, make our little commune and, and do that stuff. So I want to, I want to play, you no, no man's sky stuff more with people. Um, and I agree with the dark tiger in the chat. He says the no man's sky community's support is also super great. I would, yes, yeah, no doubt. I would definitely say that that is the truth. Um, it makes me miss my little website that I had right before uh, No Man's Sky went live, All Our Skies. It was such a good idea, but it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work because the game wasn't good at that point. That's the hard part. Uh, so we're going to move on. Best Performance is up next. So Best Performance, uh, Ashley Johnson is Ellie. Laura Bailey is Abby. Dasuke Tushi. I'm totally killing Jin's name Jin, as Jin Sakai. Logan uh, Cunningham as Hades and Najee Jeter as Miles Morales. Yeah. So I I think this is also going to be a, a very difficult uh, category. I think uh, there is way too many good performances that happened this year. I do not think that Jin Sakai was one of them again. <laughs> I thought the character was a whack. Anyway, um, but between Ashley and Laura 
and Najee, I, I think Najee really gets it though. I think because Miles has Miles was such a good character. Like that that game this year lifted my spirits in a way that I did not have an expectation for. It like made me it made me homesick for New York. It made me understand just why people stand Miles as a character. It made me understand that the connective tissue that is there between all those intersectional communities is so strong and it is like such a part of my being that, you know, like I, there's like so many things that you, that you miss when you leave a place like New York and move somewhere else. And I think that one of the things that you wind up not remember that you, that you kind of miss is like, uh, especially here now that I'm here in, in, in Portland, you miss like small communities of language and, and people talking to each other in different languages. Like you miss so much of that stuff um, that Miles Morales and, and, and that game like brought that back to me in a, in a way that I did not have an expectation for. And it was, and it was pretty, pretty dope to be able to get that back um, in that way. Um, so that, that was, that was like really fantastic since a play through that game, which was a masterpiece. I think, you know, it might have been one of those things where it's probably too late for game of the year consideration. I, don't, I didn't get to get to that game of the year uh, category yet, but I think if they didn't have that thing in game of the year somehow, it's only because of timing more than anything else. Um, I loved Ashley Johnson and Laura Bailey in their respective characters. I thought that they were brilliant in what they did. Um, I mean, I loved Abby. Like, I liked Abby a lot. Ashley as, as as Ellie again. I think that there were some really poignant moments there. Um, so it's going to be a difficult, 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 difficult uh, calling of who's going to win that that category this year. Like I I, I can't even call that joint uh, at all <laughs> in the way that that game was. Uh, those games were kind of um, shared this year. So next up is um, best score and music. Uh, we have Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us 2. This one is a little bit weird. Not weird. It's, um, I don't know. Like, when I think of scores this year, which games had the best music? Like, I know Final Fantasy VII has a, has a, has a big lock on that in, in, in a lot of people's hearts. But Hades had some bangers in it, though. Hades had some bangers in it, especially at the end. The theme at the end of your run when you finish that game is some of the best music I have ever heard in a game. I don't care what anybody says. That is some of the best music I have ever heard in a game. The P super giant, like whoever they got in that space to do that music, like I, I, I makes me want to email Greg Cassava right now and be like, yo, just send him like heart emojis in an email to be like, God damn, Greg, damn it, Greg. It's <laughs> so goddamn good. Whoever they got to do that stuff. It is so fire. Like when the music, when the, when the, when the game awards does, they're like orchestral performances and stuff like that. I want them to play Hades music. If they can play Hades music live, I'm gonna cry. I might have to cry. I'm gonna have a snot bubble tear cry. It's gonna be like this. It's gonna be like this. I'm gonna snot bubble look like I'm in, in Blair Witch, the black version. And it's gonna be real interesting uh, up in that pace. I'm gonna cry. It's gonna be real stupid. But I think Hades should definitely win 
on the best score in music. I think Last of Us has that like twang to it, that little country twang stuff that they do that makes you that makes you feel it in your heartstrings. But I feel like of all the games in here, like Hades out of nowhere pulled that off better than Final Fantasy might have. And Doom Eternal gets a gets an interesting quick nod only because they have really good um like motivation music in that game. Like when you're shooting shit in that game and you're going through the process of like running through stuff and run through battles, you feel hype when you play Doom Eternal though. No one can front on that. You definitely do feel hype in a way that you don't usually feel when it comes to most games that are shooters in that way. Um so I would I would probably still give this to Hades though, because Hades is just like freaking nuts. That that game is that game is a banger for sure. Um, next up is best action adventure game. So, um, so here's the deal. So like if they have, um, I'm just looking to see if I have, uh, the game of the year one. Okay. I do have game of the year one in here. Okay. Um, for best action adventure one, you know, Assassin's Creed, Ghost of Tsushima, Miles Morales, Ori and the Will-O-Wisps. Star Wars uh, Fallen Order. Interesting that that's in there. Last of Us 2 is also in there. I Here's the here's the bugged out thing. Like this this is an easy one weirdly for me. This has got to be Miles Morales. Like there's no way like if you don't put Miles Morales in game of the year contention, it would give me pause because I already kind of know which one is going to, which, which one I would pick for game of the year already uh, in the nominees that are, that are in there. But like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a fantastic game. I just haven't finished it yet. So I can't give most of my opinion about it. Action adventure game for Ghost of Tsushima. I just don't think it, it I don't think it should be nominated for anything. <laughs> I think it's a great game. The multiplayer is a fantastic multiplayer. The single player is, is lacking. Um, Ori Will the Wist is a good game, but I just don't think it was that great. Um, Fallen Fallen Order was actually an okay game, but it kind of fell short in lots of different ways. Like my my biggest critique about Star Wars was all the cool fights happen towards the end of the game, and it's and you don't get to fight all the cool people uh, that you should be able to fight. Like there's so many cool characters in there uh but you don't really get to fight any of them until like way later in the game and that part was just like kind of disappointing um chat is chat is like yo tell me how you really feel about ghost i already gave that during a three i get that during a three out of three out of ten um multiplayer is like a 10 out of 10 single player is like a three out of ten uh last of us two um i don't hmm I mean, that game is, is, is legit phenomenal. Like it is, it is, it is a game where all the systems that are in it feel extremely cohesive. They feel really good together. You feel powerful. You feel helpless. You feel all the different feelings that you would get in a really good action adventure story. So like, even with that said, that still gets beat out by miles. (laughs) Miles is just too good. Miles is just one of the best games that have ever come out. Um, and it may, the thing that's nuts about miles is that it, it, t- it took a game, copied the formula from that game, pretty note for note, 
and still made that game better than a lot of the other games that had come out prior to it. And that is a very difficult thing to do uh, because you can't really make a game like that where everybody kind of knows what you're going to get and then still surprise people and still people be enthralled and still have people come in and feel really good about it. So like that, in terms of that game, that's the one that, that gets it. Um, next up is best art direction. Um, I think uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori, Will of the Wisps, and Last of Us Part Um I would say Hades wins this easily. That's an easy win. I think Hades wins that one easily. Hades is just stupid pretty and ridiculously well done and like hits all the the angles that you would kind of think of from an art direction standpoint. I will say um, Ghost is one of the prettiest games I've ever seen. I actually need to go play it again on PS5 and see what it looks like on PS5. I don't know if they've done anything with the art or if they've up-resed anything on that, but it is literally one of the prettiest games I've ever seen on the, on a console. And that was on the PS4, and that game was, like, stupid pretty. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a game that did wind and grass and stuff like that that well. Um, art direction for Last of Us is not really there. I mean, it's they did some really interesting, cool stuff from a technical standpoint, but I wouldn't say art direction isn't the way that I would kind of go with that. Um, and Will of the Wisp was just beautiful, but it doesn't, in comparison to Hades, it is not going to win uh, in that category at all. Uh, next up is best audio design. I think this one is pretty pretty easy too in terms of runaway stuff. Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, and The Last of Us 2. Audio design on this one. I think actually, let me think about that one real quick. Um, I, Ghost of Tsushima probably would win this one for me. Like, I think Ghost had actually pretty, pretty phenomenal audio uh, in terms of, again, stuff like wind and, you know, atmospheric sounds and, and that kind of stuff. I think even even just the the way that they, they mimicked the Kurosawa bits with with the big drums and the and the, the way you kind of feel in the world uh you know the small things they did like how well they did rain and and stuff like that like the environmental stuff that played around in ghost Tsushima was was pretty pretty fantastic i think if there was going to be one one category here that i would that i would pick it would be ghost for this one one game that i would pick it would probably be ghost for that one i think you know, shout out to Insomniac for 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 not Insomniac for um, Sucker Punch for for knocking that out of the park because they definitely they definitely did a, a pretty damn good job on that for sure. Um, next up is best debut game, which is uh, Carry On, Mortal Shell, uh, Raji and uh, Ancient Epic, uh, Roki and Phasmophoria. Um, um, it's this one is a little bit hard for for me. I have not played Raji. Uh, but there is some love in the chat for Raji. Uh, Mortal Shell is a game that I really like because it's from a really small team. Um, and to make a game that they did with like basically two people, that's almost as good as a dark, as, as one of the biggest Dark Soul games that you could have is pretty phenomenal. Um, I've not played Raji. I've not played Roki. I still haven't played Phasmophoria because I need people to play it with. Um, and Carry On, I played a bunch of that. 
Uh, but it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be in that category for me in that way. Weirdly, I don't know why Fall Guys isn't in this uh, or Among Us isn't in this, um, which I think as a debut game, I think either one of those would probably snatch up Raji or, or, or Roki. Um, so that's an interesting omission uh, that they did not pull in there. Um, so that's, so I wonder why that was nothing. But for me, I mean, for me, it would probably be between um, Phasmophoria and Mortal Shell, um, I think. I think Phasmophoria just kind of took the internet by by storm because of all the spooky, all the spooky stuff. Um, but Mortal Shell, as, a, as like me being a friend of devs uh, who love devs who are doing wild shit with no with no actual team, uh, I'd probably give it to, 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 to the folks over at Mortal Shell. Um, next up is best esports game. I think we all kind of know where this one is going to go. Mortal, uh, I was about to say Mortal Kombat. That's not an esports game. It is esports, actually. It's FGC stuff. Uh, but not in the same way you think about it. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Counter-Strike uh, is always in there. Fortnite, League of Legends, and Valorant. Um, I have been watching way more League of Legends of late. Uh, and that's probably why I'm always so sleepy. Because they have all their matches at like 2 in the goddamn morning. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of, uh, a lot of League of Legends. Fortnite, of course, is the mainstay at this point. Um, Counter-Strike is also a mainstay. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is also kind of a mainstay. I, I'll probably give it to Valorant because I think Valorant as a new game actually caught fire in a pretty good way. I think a lot of people came to that game and not having lot, lots of expectations for that game to be good. And they actually pulled it off in a good way in terms of Riot. Um, I'd probably give it to that one because it's uh, this is probably the one I think most people would kind of give the nod to. But I do feel like it's one of those games that kind of just like snuck up on people again. Like people were really excited about it and it wound up kind of planting its flag and then also kind of falling off in another weird way. Like it got mad pub and then everybody kind of dipped off on it, which is also kind of weird. Uh, Fortnite is kind of done in terms of that and in terms of that space, even though they still make money. Uh, Even though Epic was talking about uh fighting apple is like civil rights i'm not going to talk about that this episode because i just don't want to be mad uh <laughs> but i was like the wildest statement i've heard of 2020 besides i won the election anyway uh best fighting game is up next um this one is easy for me because i am a mortal Kombat stan uh, grand blue fantasy versus which actually i heard is really good uh, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, Street Fighter 5 Championship Edition, One Punch Man, a Hero Nobody Knows. I did not know they had a. I did not know they had a game. What? One Punch has a game. What? Uh, Undernight Inbirth, uh, Exe Late Control L. That's way too many words in the name of a title. That is just stupid, and they need to remove that game from the from the conversation because it has too many words. That is unreasonable. That is just not okay. Take that game out just for that fact alone. <laughs> I'm actually surprised Power Rangers didn't make it in here because Power Rangers game is actually pretty dope. People are kind of fronting on that game, but it's actually pretty good. Um, this automatically goes to Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat is the best. Uh, and that's because I said so. Uh, I think Street Fighter is finding its way back. Actually, there's going to be a really cool uh, Marvel's Capcom tournament coming up on Twitch Rivals soon, uh, which is going to be actually really cool uh, because they're bringing it back and actually figuring out ways to make netcode work. Uh, which is pretty fantastic. I was literally, before I got here uh, to do the show, was playing some Mortal Kombat, messing around with Rambo, and getting my face beat because I don't know his combos yet. And that was great. I hate everyone who picks Rain. 
that's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Mortal Kombat probably definitely wins that one for sure. Um, last up before we go to our break, uh, is going to be the game of the year. So let's run through the nominees really quickly. This makes me feel like I'm doing the spawnies, even though I'm not doing the spawnies yet. Uh, we have to talk about the spawnies too. Uh, game, uh, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Last of Us 2. I already caught some flack online earlier today because I was just like, one, why is uh, Doom Eternal on here? Doom Eternal is a good game, but it was not a great game. I don't think it deserves to be on on, on Game of the Year lists. If you're going to put Miles Morales in any category, then you have to put Miles Morales in Game of the Year consideration and you would absolutely pull out doom eternal or uh animal crossing in my mind for either one of those games should probably get dumped if you were going to do it i do think that like td in the, in the chat says uh animal crossing probably got more love in this because of covid absolutely absolutely agree with that for sure um uh, you know <laughs> it's it's a it's an okay game i think that it it serves a purpose and i don't understand that purpose but that doesn't mean that every game has to be for me and that's okay i played animal crossing and i got instantly bored because i was just like i was like i don't want to i'm not spending money to do chores what the fuck <laughs> like, what is this shit i'm gonna be out here in the field like a slave picking turnips and onions and rocks what is this what is this roots the game what is this this is nonsense. This is like fleets. Who needs this? Nobody wants this. Anyway, um, Animal Crossing is an interesting game. Um, again, I think Doom Eternal needs to be pulled off. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, of course, is going to be there. I think it's decent. Um, Ghost of Tsushima, I think, I think multiplayer pulls it back into this list. I think it was a really epic story. I think that I think a lot of people did like it, even if I if I was a little bit off on it. Hades. I think absolutely should be here. Um, and for me, this is definitely between Hades and The Last of Us 2 uh, in terms of these games. If Again, if Miles Morales is on this list, Miles Morales wins this hands down. It is a close, 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 uh, uh, close, close, close tie between Miles Morales and Last of Us 2 because I still think Last of Us 2 from a emotional standpoint, even though the landing, what they didn't stick the landing, in my opinion, is one of the best games I've played in a very, very long time. Um, and Hades is that game that just feels like you're coming back for more and the more did you come back, you get better. And I think there are very few games that do that in a real way. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about, about that particular game. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to do. Well, actually, this is the thing I actually talked about when I was online, <laughs> when I was online earlier today, um, was the fact that like anytime now that you have Last of Us in any category, it brings out all the boo birds who are haters about Last of Us. And they were just like every nitpicky thing that they could pull up about Last of Us is the thing they pulled up about Last of Us 2. And it's like, I kind of I, I kind of don't want it to win only because we're going to hear the same people griping about the same stuff all over again. 
which is going to be such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, don't talk about the thing anymore. I know you hate it. And I know you have, I know you're mad about everything. And I know that everything about that game is bad. And I know you hate life and I know you don't like air and I know you don't like sunshine. And I hope, I hope you hate, you hate water too. There's <laughs> so many people who just like have negative energy about everything. I'm just like, why are you still talking anyway? I hope Last of Us 2 wins it, to be honest. I think, I think of all the experiences besides Miles Morales this year, it is the thing that I, I still think about to this day once I go back and, and check on it. And, and I have not deleted it yet because I'm hoping that they put some stuff in there at the end somewhere. Like, I want them to just throw some random-ass DLC in there. That's uh, just like, you know, Ellie and everybody else hanging out i don't know just chilling playing playing drop mix or playing i want i want ellie and, and everybody else to be playing fuser in last of us 2 as dlc <laughs> i don't know, I actually want damn it that's what i want um but work so that's the conversation right now for the game awards again it's going to be coming up fairly soon um i'm very very excited about that i think it's going to be pretty brilliant uh, again, I'm really hyped to see how they're going to kind of mix and match up the conversation around, um, uh, you know, how they're going to actually like do the production on this show. It's going to be nuts to have it in three different places. But if there's anybody who can pull it off, it's Jeff Keighley. I, I believe in that man. Uh, he can do whatever he wants because he does whatever he wants. Um, so we're, we're going to hit up our break. Um, after the break, we're going to have our dope 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 conversation with the amazing sarah bond uh make sure you're buckled in for that because that is going to be pretty fantastic head of gaming ecosystems over at microsoft and xbox uh so we're going to have that right after the break but before we do we have to give another big shout out to the wonderful friends over at annapurna interactive and the pathless again the pathless is from the creators of abzu if you remember that game that underwater game uh it was pretty pretty dope and fantastic and the pathless is about this mystic adventurer uh and their art uh, who's an archer uh and their eagle and they're kind of trying to take out the darkness from this mystical land you're going to be coming this hunter who has this master of archery and who is traveling to this mystical land again to dispel all the dangers that live there again that game has come out Last week, it, was, it debuted on the 12th. Uh, it's on the PS5, PS4, Epic Game Store, and Apple Arcade. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, and before we get to the last part of the show, I'm going to send you over to go take a quick look at a dope video uh, about the Pathless right about now. Oh, my man. 
What up, everybody in Chicago? Thank you so much for coming back. We just had a wonderful break. Thank you to our wonderful folks over uh, from the Pathless and Annapurna Interactive for sharing their wonderful words about all that good stuff that they are putting out into the world. But that's not what we're here for right now. We have a fantastic, amazing guest rocking with us. This week, I am super excited. I have been hoping, I have lit candles. I have said words of encouragement to the world. I have put down uh lots of different good I, I lit incense to make this in, to make the interview happen and we're finally getting it done i'm super excited to bring on corporate vice president of gaming ecosystems at microsoft sarah bond is rocking with us here in Chicago. sarah thank you so much for coming to the show today i'm super excited to have you uh welcome to spawn on me into Chicago. Thank you. I don't know if you give that intro for everybody, but you have me laughing. <laughs> Your prayers are answered. I, I look. I I I am an honest soul. I keep it. I keep it two hundred. I don't lie. I have no reason to lie. Um, but I but I am infinitely excited to have you on the show. Um, it, you know, I remember seeing you on stage at E3. It was me, uh, my boy Paris Lilly from Gamertag Radio. We were sit, sitting in the in the seats. Um, and you come up on stage and literally all of the, all of the folks in the room, we were like, wait a minute, we don't know who this person is. Who is this person that just rocked up on stage? And why don't we know about her? Because she's talking about all these things that we care about in, in the gaming space and especially during the Xbox conference. Um, I looked up some of your information and I was like, wow, we have to figure out a way to get Sarah on the show at some point. Uh, because one... Uh, a part of our show, of course, we know we talk about diversity and inclusion. We talk about spotlighting people of color in the gaming industry and having someone so high up in the, in, in the Microsoft uh, and Xbox uh, company being on stage, you know, being a part of our community was something that I remember when I rolled up on you later on that day. I saw you're coming out of one of you know, coming back from backstage and I went over to introduce myself. You yeah, tracked was, me down at the Bethesda showcase. I, I yeah. did. I did. It was, yes, it was at the, Bethesda, at the Bethesda showcase. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go say hello and introduce myself because at some point I would love to get you on the show. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was nice to be able to share that one moment where we talked a little bit about, you know, you know, that moment being very special, not only for me personally, but for like all the folks who care about this in this way uh, 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 and have been trying to do the work of showcasing and sharing amazing folks doing this work in that space. Um, I, I'm again, super excited to, to have you rocking with us. How are you doing? That is a really long intro to get to how you're doing, but how are you? How have you been? <laughs> How's everything going? Oh, uh, you know, you know, some things are going great and some things are going just okay. And <laughs> some things are just not awesome right now. I mean, it's been 10 months. I just can't, believe it like the first couple months i thought okay i can get through this it's going to be three months we can yep. stay motivated and now this is our world um yeah. and there's all sorts of other uncertainty going on and you know it's a lot i'll be honest it's a lot and one of the things that kind of keeps me focused well two things one is my kids who yeah. actually say that this is a fun the funnest time they've ever had because <laughs> i'm home a lot we got them a trampoline 
they have infinite Legos to play. You know, we're doing all these things to keep them entertained and engaged. They get to play more video games than ever now. I used to ration it a little bit before. Now yeah. it's like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> um, and two, just the, the work that I get to do, you know, it's just, it's like, I loved gaming, you know, before this, I've loved it for years, but but just the fact that we get to be one of the ways that people can connect right now when things are so tough is very motivating. I know it's actually helping a lot of people. But uh, and so those are the two bright spots for me through all of this is just to get to spend time with my kids and also to get to help others connect across the world. I'm, I'm actually really happy to hear you say that, because I, I think for a lot of folks who who aren't necessarily gamers, who don't really understand why gaming is so important to so many it is really nice mm -hmm. to hear just that sentiment of saying like, this is a thing that is helping people get through this really troubling and difficult time. Mm -hmm. It is extremely hard for for folks to be able to find spaces to get out of their brain and, and, and figure out ways to be able to talk to people and, and, you know, across the country and across the world through the games that we play, you know, is that a thing that you're, that you and your other colleagues are kind of talking about as well when you're, when you're kind of thinking about, the greater scope of, of what happens with COVID and, and how it's kind of affecting the world in that way? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's just <laughs> like, it's, it's always been a lot of what, like our philosophy, our sense of kind of the core of Xbox is the fact that the gaming is the only media form where you can connect with somebody's achievement. You can actually accomplish something together. And it doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what language you speak doesn't matter what you look like, if you're male, female, gender, religion, all of those things can melt away and you can actually do something with somebody. And that's always been a big part of our core. And, and now, you know, it's not necessarily safe. It's not necessarily safe at all to have your friend go play with his friend down the street, especially now that it's resurging and a lot of things that we felt a little more comfortable during in the summer. We're kind of second guessing ourselves now and saying, mm -hmm. maybe not. And this is a safe way for people to connect. And so, it is really encouraging. Like one of the number one things we saw, um, you know, as people were going into lockdown was people gaming more, but importantly, people actually gaming more with their friends, yeah. more online gaming, more connected gaming. And that gives us just a lot of joy to see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is definitely keeping me sane at this point. Like I, I have, I have <laughs> run out of hobbies. I've run out of breads to bake. I don't know what else to do in that yeah. space. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, everybody's either making mass or breaking bread or, or, or farming at this point. And I'm just like, I've done all those things already and I'm not doing any more of those. So I will go back to yeah, gaming. I'm just going to boot up in your game. Yeah, yeah, seriously, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I want to go back a little bit because I think a lot of folks who um, aren't familiar with you or familiar with their work, they have seen you in those Xbox uh, showcases, but they might not have necessarily gotten a good idea of like who Sarah is and, and and how long you've been in this space. And and you know, you talked about gaming, you know, prior to you being a part of Xbox. And I'm curious about that. Like, what were your gaming experiences before you before you uh, moved over to the Xbox side of things? So gaming was a big part of how I grew up. My dad is actually a big gamer to this day. Um, there's some some cool pictures of him with his gaming rig and his setup. Uh, so it's one of the things I always did as a kid. I started out with King's Quest II. Um, you know, GoldenEye was pretty much uh, college weekend for me when I was in college. Uh, obviously, I had a Game Boy and did all that stuff too, you know, in the, in the Sega and did all of that. Um, and then, you know, Xbox became part of my life as I got older. And then when I had kids, I actually just stopped playing for a bit. I'll be honest. Like I yeah. read this stuff that said, you got to be careful with the kids. And I stopped playing for a bit. 
Um, but then when the opportunity to join Xbox came up, it kind of clicked for me. I'd spent my whole career working in consumer tech. I'd done a bunch of different things across my career. Um, and this was just like this amazing part of Microsoft and consumer tech that I had never been a part of. And, and, and so I just jumped on the opportunity to get to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is interesting how things wind up becoming full circle, right? Where, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you've done it as a, as a hobby and then now it's become a part of your career, uh, and it's kind of grown into the thing that you maybe you know, at least right now more, more known for. Uh, than some of the other mm -hmm. positions you've held. Um, that kind of lends to the question of, you know, you have the title of, of CVP of gaming ecosystem at Microsoft. What does that actually entail? I think for the folks at home who are like, one day I want my child to be the CVP of gaming ecosystem. Like, I want to run ecosystem. What's ecosystem? <laughs> what does that actually mean for the people who are at home? Yeah, I'm serious, serious. Yeah, you know, so look, we... You know, we talk a lot about at Xbox how we put the player at the center of everything that we do. But the reality is, is that the players want to play games. And so what my team is responsible for, what we do is we put the developer at the center of everything that we do to make sure that developers can have success on the Xbox platform. And frankly, on any platform, we actually have tools that are agnostic to Xbox that we that we provide to developers. So that goes from you know, all the tooling that they use, how they publish their title with us, what the economic agreements are we have together, how they work with us on Game Pass, how they work with us on Azure. My team drives all of that across Microsoft. So it's a pretty awesome job. It's global too, which is also one of my favorite parts of it. Um, I have teams in Japan and in Europe and in the US um, because we, you know, we're reaching out and working with developers all around the world every day. Yeah, I, th I think one of so the- So I make oh, dreams true basically i make game creators dreams true i that is that is a title in and of itself actually i'm, I'm like surprised that that is not the actual like title that you <laughs> like i make game devs dreams come true this is what i do every day um yeah um, I, I mean it, it, it's interesting too because um i remember very specifically maybe this was like five or six years ago um i was in a room at gdc phil spencer walks in he has this big uh, chart that was like this big kind of almost a spider chart. There was just like all these pinpoints kind of going all these different directions talking about what Xbox is trying to do in the future. xCloud was a part of that conversation during that initial conversation. And then we see, mm -hmm. you know, fast forward six to seven years. And now all those things are kind of coming to fruition in big ways, right? You see with the Xbox mm -hmm. Series S and Xbox Series X, you see with xCloud as a part of the conversation. When you started to hear that those things were really starting to kind of move forward and, and, and really gain some momentum and steam, what were the conversations that were kind of happening within, within the company? Was this like a, oh, crap, we're really going to do this kind of moment? Or was this like, oh, man, we're really about to do this. This is going to be a lot of, of work. And, you know, we may not necessarily know how to, how to make this become a real thing. What was the conversations that were happening during during that time when you were like pushing forward and, and moving these kind of things uh, in, the, in that direction? You know, one of the um, the greatest parts about being part of Microsoft is that Microsoft loves gaming. Yeah, um, we're one of the fastest growth areas. We're you know the flagship consumer business of Microsoft. So really, the conversations were of like enormous amount of support. Like when we panned way back and we looked at what we thought was going to happen in gaming over the next 10 years, we said, look, there's three assets you're going to need to succeed. You're going to need content, you're going to need community, 
and you're going to need a cloud because you're going to need to be able to make gaming ubiquitous across devices. And then we said, well, who has all those things? We looked at all the players in the industry and we said, okay, we have all those things. Nobody else does. Other people have bits and pieces. You know, you do have Tencent that has that, but they really are focused on China. And so we have a really unique opportunity here. So it wasn't so much like, oh my gosh, there's so much work to do. It was more like, oh my gosh, there's such a huge opportunity for us to deliver something for players and for developers that no one else in the industry have to do this. It's almost like a, you know, it's a quest of ours to do this because it's going to make gaming better. And the amount of support that we've gotten across Microsoft, you know, we partner with the Azure team really deeply in all the things we do. You look at all the acquisitions and the investment in content we've been able to make over the last couple of years, right? We're continuing to grow our community. It's all been an enormous amount of support top net, like from the top to drive everything that we've been achieving. And frankly, like I, I was reflecting, you know, even as I'm sitting in my base the last eight months, all of the things we've gotten like really come to fruition and we've gotten to execute in 2020, like all of these things that we have been talking about for three years that we've been building towards, launching the console, hitting huge milestones with Game Pass, launching xCloud, like it's all out there now, right? And now we're just scaling it and bringing more and more players in. And that's the fun part, frankly. Yeah, it's been pretty monumental to see because even yeah. I was skeptical when I when I had that conversation or was in that room with Phil and I was like, "All right, Phil, I understand that this is going to be what you're going right. to do." And yeah. I, you're like, "Can you really like make this a thing?" Like there, because there were again, like at that at that moment in time, there were still like some kind of messaging issues around you know the way that the ecosystem was going to kind of work you know you're coming off the heels of 360 and moving into the xbox one space and then you know trying to still figure out what the box is going to be and, and how the, how everything's going to kind of work together i feel like right now of 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 any of anybody in the space microsoft has figured out and has brilliantly kind of messaged out how different this ecosystem is going to be going forward. And and that to me is one of the things that is the most exciting is because you're not asking people to just buy the box. You're saying, yeah, we want you to do that. We want you to do that part of it, but there's a whole bunch of systems here that you can be involved in to game the way you want. And I think that that has been extremely interesting to see that from, from a huge company like this. Um, what have been some of the surprises that you've kind of, kind of come to see kind of moving in that direction? Has it has it been a thing where you've seen multiple people who maybe weren't necessarily in the fold kind of come to the fold and say like, oh, wow, this is what I'm actually been looking for? You know, it's hard to identify a surprise exactly just because so much of what we've done has been listening to players and developers mm. and, and crafting, you know, each and every single of the things that we brought together around that feedback. And so it was a very iterative learning process. It sounds like some of which you got to participate in, which is pretty cool, yeah. right? About understanding how important content is to, to folks. Um, doing a ton of work to lower the barriers to entry into the ecosystem, right? By designing, you know, Xbox Series X with, with its really attractive price point, by creating Xbox All Access, which means you can get in with a subscription, uh, the way we created Game Pass it was very like player research led. Like we learned that people wanted discovery. They were, they wanted an easy way to find games. They wanted curation. They wanted affordability. So we designed around that. Um, and so uh, I guess if you were to say a surprise or, or a pleasant one is that you know sometimes you design things based off of um, feedback from your customers, um, and you get you know exactly what you projected and expected. 
The thing I love is that everything that we've gotten back from customers was beyond what, you know, that their enthusiasm, their love for what we've created is beyond that, right? Like we really clearly hit a vein, you know, sometimes it, in an, in, and that's what's really, really lovely. And just the feedback from them and the demand for what we do. Um, and then it's just enabled us to lean even further into it and to just do more things that accelerate. Yeah, it is. It has been really cool to see this thinking outside the box in, in, in these huge ways. Um, it has made mm -hmm. my job a lot easier as a, I don't even know what the heck I do, right? Either influencer, press guide, all those <laughs> things combined, right? Like it has made my job infinitely easier to not only find games to play, but also to be able to jump between different platforms and say like, well, oh, if I don't want to play it here, I can still play it here and still get a phenomenal mm -hmm. experience and feel like all those things are kind of coming together and coalescing in that way. Um, is it a thing now where even with the initial kind of multi-pronged strategy of just like, you know, console, PC as a platform, now even mobile in that conversation, that it feels like even the the, the ways you're talking to developers is changing in that way, I, I'm sure, in, in terms of like them being able to now think and expand what they feel like are capabilities that they're able to do. Yeah, it has. It's completely different. Yeah. I mean, even when we when we talk to them about the next generation, like we do when we every time we launch a generation, we go out and we actually have discussions with all the developers and we show them what we were going to do. And in the past generations, the discussion was really around the console and the speeds and feeds and the technical capability. And this time it was about that. But that as a part of a whole bunch of things that we were doing to actually be able to bring more gamers and you know more gamers into our ecosystem bring gaming to people who never would have experienced gaming before and enable them to engage and just experience new things like when you really step back there are three billion gamers on the planet there were two billion last year we just hit three wow <laughs> right and then but there's about 200 million people who will ever buy a console mm. and that you know it's it's, it's it's for some people it's a huge barrier economically right it's 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 not how they want to play but many many people actually want to play these types of games and so it's a lot of our conversation with developers like how do we make it possible for you to create one instance of your game one one platform one single code base but have it be playable across a whole span of devices powered by the cloud and that for them is really eye-opening, right? Because if you have to manage a, the mobile instance of your game, PC instance of the game, two versions of a console instance of your game, <laughs> communities are all all split apart. No developer wants that. No player wants that, honestly, yeah. right? And so our whole vision is like, how do we make it as easy as possible? What I love about that, frankly, is it helps smaller developers succeed. Right now, right, the only ones who do all those different instances of games are big developers who can afford to spin up each one of these things or pay a partner or maintain all these code bases and backend services. And if you're a smaller developer with an IP that wants to break out, it's super hard. Yeah. We just want to make it easy. It's like a demo, you know, make it democratize access to players and to be able to reach them on the devices they own. Yeah. I mean, even from dev friends that I know who have been talking about the, the possibilities of launching their game or trying to figure out ways to, you know, broaden out, you know, how many people are actually going to be able to get their thing in front of, you know, the, the ideas that you all have kind of implemented and are kind of pushing forward automatically just seem infinitely helpful to everyone who's in that ecosystem. I think from the consumer side of things, Game Pass has been 
one of the biggest kind of boons that I've seen come into the space in a very long time for not only for the consumer, but for mm-hmm. the company too, to say like, we're giving you a lot of value here uh, yeah. at a reasonable price at a, at a, at an affordable space uh, and, and giving you so much more than you can think of. I know you had a huge hand in, in kind of getting that thing off the ground. It was a thing that, that you, you, you talked about probably in your first initial kind of like, you know, coming out to the world when you were on stage at E3 of, of talking about Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate. How, how has Game Pass been for, for, for folks? Has it, has it felt like it, this was the kind of linchpin uh, for a lot of the things and initiatives that you've seen kind of going forward? Has, has it, was it, everyone knows it's successful, but has it been something that mm-hmm. everyone is like, oh my goodness, this really worked in the way that we hoped it would? Yeah, absolutely. I think it worked better than the way we hoped it would, honestly, <laughs> if, I were to, if I were to be frank with you. Like, yeah. like I said, we designed it based off the player feedback, but there's nothing like actually launching a product and seeing how it performs in the market. Like you can't predict everything. Yeah. Um, and one of the big fears, frankly, many, many folks had and a lot of developers had early on in our conversations with them about joining Game Pass was that Game Pass was actually going to devalue games, right? Yeah. That it was going to shrink the gaming industry. And what we found was actually the exact opposite happened. That because games are fundamentally a community driven thing, yeah. right, that you play with other people, that when you open it up and you make it possible for people to play a game who they otherwise wouldn't have bought, that it actually drives more engagement and it drives more monetization. So we do a bunch of studies, we look at it every which way, and we see on average, um, a developer that puts their game in Game Pass sees the engagement go up by six times when that happens, six times, can you imagine? Wow. Um, And then we look at it from the player perspective too, and we see that um, we compare players before and after they subscribe to Game Pass. And their um, engagement goes up, they play uh, 20% more time, they play 30% more games, but my favorite stat is they play 40% more genres. Because what, what had been happening in our industry, you know, when you're looking at buying a game for $60, $70, for most people, that doesn't mean you can buy many games each year. So you yeah. buy what you know, the big brand names, the next instance of a franchise, right? And you just kind of stick with that because you're, the wallet is limited. Um, but that when we offer people Game Pass and they're paying $10 a month, they're like, you know, I'm going to try that game. That looks good. I'm going to download it. I'm going to try it out. And then they discover, oh, suddenly I like this type of game that I'd never played before. Mm-hmm. So we had this one game that I love. I talk about it a lot because I love it. I'm stuck on a level if you ever want to try and help me out. Uh, <laughs> Human Fall Flat. Oh, yeah. And 60% of people who played Human Fall Flat in Game Pass had never played a puzzle game before, ever, anywhere on our platform. And that's, you know, that that's huge. But you say, okay, people are going to try new things. But then 40% of those people went on and bought another puzzle game. And that's what makes, that delights me. Like that huh. brings me so much joy. Because these people were puzzle game players. They just didn't even know it until they mm-hmm. had game pass. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things, just seeing that flywheel spin up, once you actually put it in the hands of players, you know, we had a suspicion that would happen. But it, it, it was one of the most delightful and best parts of launching the program. Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those things, that I, and I say it often enough when people ask me, you know, a lot of folks who are kind of like either gaming adjacent or, you know, I'm often the encyclopedia of knowledge for people who are saying, you know, you know, Khalif, you know, my nephew wants X. What should I do? <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, go on the Internet because I'm not the, not the person to t- uh, tell you everything. But yeah. but 
I often always will reference Game Pass as like the thing that you should wind up snagging um, because it just offers so many ways for you to kind of dig into stuff. I know specifically for myself, there were games that I would have never tried if it wasn't free on Game mm-hmm. Pass. Uh, it, I would have never touched it because I was just like, I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to spend money on this and I'm not going to bug PR for mm-hmm. a code for this thing because it's not a genre that I care about. And I found some pretty great um some gems in there that 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 were like really fun things to be able to take a take some time with and and play and i think that that has been pretty interesting to see uh how that's happened i think honestly and 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 tell me if i'm right that the console space is great for that in that in that way but i think the pc space has really done well in terms of game pass Mm -hmm. being on it because i feel like even there especially there are even more technical barriers that come to play when it comes to uh, you know, will my game will my game run on this thing? And you know, with the gear that I have, is that going to be a thing? Have you seen a lot of growth in the PC space too? Yeah, we have. Uh, we launched. Uh, well, that's what I did at E3. I guess it's yeah. now over a year, year and a half ago. Now is we launched Game Pass on PC. So we see a lot of growth on PC, and we also see players who are playing across both, which yeah. we also love. Um, and so that has been um, a big part of our success with Game Pass. Yeah, I, I am infinitely more excited about because I know a lot of people, there's like two camps right now. They're just like cross play or cross save. And for me, cross save is the future. Like cross save is the thing oh, that I want to see implemented into every single yeah. cross gen, cross platform title uh, in that space. So, you know, having that be a part of, you know, the way the systems work has always been has always been something that I've really been thankful for. Because uh, I game in multiple places, so I'm always moving around in the house, or I'm playing in different places, mm-hmm. and so so having that be in there is has been has been really good. Um, launch has been pretty fantastic, I would I would assume. I think, you know, from the folks that I'm seeing online, everybody in their mama was very excited to get their Xbox Series X or S uh, in their homes. Uh, you know, are other are the folks uh, in the mothership really excited about kind of how launch has gone so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, yeah. everyone feels that this has been our best launch ever. Both, you know, the the consumer reception has just been incredible. It's honestly humbling to see people just so excited about your product. Like we're all um, really humbled by that. Um, the, the response from developers has also been incredible about the partnership, about their ability to use the tools and get on the platform. We've launched with more titles that on Series X and S than we ever have, over 3,000 playable titles, which is just also an incredible moment. So you can normally, you know, you get in there and it's a little sparse, not at all in this case. Yeah. So overall, we just feel thrilled about it and just can't wait to keep executing and, and delighting more players with what we've created. It's just a great, great start to the generation for us. And to do it in 40 countries too, which by the way, is one of my things that I really was excited to see as champion was global that you know gaming is global it's about connecting people it's about bringing them together the fact that we were able to do that in the midst of the pandemic on top of everything else that we were managing is another thing that just makes me incredibly proud to be part of the team it's been awesome yeah it's been it's been very impressive i mean it is i've watched god i've been gaming since i was four (laughs) i'm 42 now at this point (laughs) so i've seen a fair amount of launches and this has been really really good it's, it's, it feels like mm-hmm. everything, not only, not even just from the kind of usual avenues in, in which things have kind of moved and, and, um, you know, the marketing, the, the, the marketing has been fantastic this, 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 this cycle, especially, mm-hmm. uh, which has been really good to see. Uh, but it feels like, especially during this time that this, at least the initial launch was a really great moment 
just to see so many people happy. And that was the thing that I, it really did a lot for my soul in a weird way. Cause it's like, we're not going to conferences. I'm not getting to see all my gaming industry friends. We're like doing all these, all these zoom calls all the time, but it was so nice to be able to see so many people across the world, across all my circles, get that box in their hands, hook it up for the first time, turn it on and be excited about something this year. Uh, about that, it, you know, great, great job to you all and kudos for, for making that happen and, and bringing some joy to people's people's spaces and lives during this maddening time. It was, it was really good to see for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I want to pivot a little bit because I think, you know, we've had some interactions before we did a really great stream with, uh, the IGDAF, uh, foundation a little bit earlier in the year, uh, where we gave our friend Laura Teclamarium, uh, the, Jerry Lawson Award, and you presented that to her uh, during that time. And we had some conversations a little bit about, you know, what it means to be in this space and, and being at the kind of, you know, top of the game in, in lots of different ways. Um, one of the reasons that I, that I wanted to bring you on was to talk a little bit about, you know, what's it been like to, to be in this space as, you know, one of the head Black women in, 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 in gaming? Uh, you know, I think it's been something that a lot of folks that in my circles, uh, they look up to you. They're like, this is a, you know, Sarah's a role model. This Sarah's a, a fantastic person to, to emulate the work that she's done um, in this space. Are, the con are you hearing conversations about this stuff when you're like kind of in, you know, uh, circles with the public or, or with the consumer base in, in any of this way? Like, you know, of course, DNI has been a huge part of this conversation for a while. And I feel like people are more willing to say like, hey, I see what you're doing and I appreciate what you're doing and, 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 and keep rocking and keep doing what you're doing. Have you heard a lot of those conversations in the past couple of years? Yeah, you know, I really have. Um, you know, I, a couple of years ago, um, I really started to think about like, why did I go to work? Like, yeah. what was it? Like, it's not just about money, but like, why do you get up every day and go out and do what you do? And especially at the time I was traveling a lot, my kids are really young. Yeah. Um, and I realized I do go to make the world better for the people who come after us. Like that is actually my core motivation. And there are times, you know, in gaming and in tech overall, like I look left, I look right. And I'm like, well, I can't punch out because there's nobody else here who looks like me. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the case when my daughter walks out or when my son walks out or when others do and they don't see anyone who looks like them, like I can make it better for the people who come next and just like carve a little path. Um, I, I, if you're okay with it, it's, it was interesting. You started with your view of the E3 story. I would love to tell you my version of it. Absolutely. Please. Um, and what it was like for me. Yeah. Um, so the way we put together those shows is, you know, we have rehearsals. First, we have them here, um, at headquarters and we're, and you're kind of just doing almost like a read through and there's a screen where you watch the assets and you're kind of trying to decide the order and all these things. It actually wasn't really clear who was going to do that session. Huh. Um, and then, uh, and originally Phil was slated to do that section. And then he said, no, I think you should do it huh. uh, because your team did so much to make PC Game Pass possible. And I learned that two weeks before the show. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to wear? Oh my gosh. You know, like I was very, you know, and, and, and people said to me, they said, you know, um, if, you know, it's a lot to go out there. Like you're putting yourself out there. There are people who might 
um, target you. They might you might see comments about you on social media that you're not going to like. Like, are you sure you're ready for this? And I, I really thought about that, and I thought, no, I'm I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do it. This is an amazing opportunity to represent my team, represent my people. Um, but then when we we go down to L.A., which is where it was, I miss those times. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we're in you know, there's like three days of rehearsal running up to it, and people who had been working that show for years. Um, came up to me and they and they said, you know, we never thought we would see this moment um, huh. to have someone who's black go out on this stage as a representative from Microsoft. This really means something. Um, and, and people were crying, they were tearing up. And I and I really hit me the enormity of what I was about to do. Like I kind of had conceptually understood it, but I didn't fully understand it. And yeah. I started getting panicked, like, I'm gonna let everyone down, you know, like I was so panicked. And, and then I had this moment of calm and I realized that like it panic was a selfish act. Like to get nervous was that was Sarah. Mm. But when I was going out, I was not Sarah. I was every woman. I was every girl. It's everyone who was told no. Right. I was my, I was representing my team. I was representing doubters and there is no nerves when you're all of those things. Mm. Um, and I literally, I walked out and I'll tell you, I was not nervous. Like, huh. it's like an, even when I watch video to this day, it's like an out of body experience. I'm like, who is she? She looks great. <laughs> and I do the first segment and I don't know if you remember, there was a, a video that played in the middle mm-hmm. and I just have to stand there. I'm like, I have not yet made a mistake. I think I got this. <laughs> now I'm going to bring it home. You know that it's all included at no additional charge and it's going to be great and i finish it i walk off stage and they had mic'd me kind of in the middle of my back yeah um couldn't see it with all my clothes and stuff and so they decided to take it off in the curtains because they had to like lift up my shirt and everything mm-hmm. and they go to take it off and the woman who takes it off and i i suddenly i literally collapsed into tears on this woman like i'm bawling my eyes out in the curtains and she says, why are you crying? And I said, because it was good. And I didn't let anybody down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like, then I could be me and all of the emotions that I had managed to just make go away. I allowed back because in the end, like I'm an introvert, if you can believe it, like in the end, I just did it in the service of others because it had to be done. Like that ceiling had to be broken. Yeah. I, you know, I raised my introvert flag with you. I, I am, I am as well. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 thank you for sharing that. I think there's a there's a there's always this interesting conversation that happens when I have guests on, and 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 we have a lot of firsts, right? Um, mm-hmm. And also as a show that that talks about this in a real way, it's always I'm always torn to ask the question because it always feels rote in some ways, where it's just like. You know, how's it feel to be the black person at the thing? And I'm like, yeah, I know, and we know, and we all know, right? We all know what that feeling is uh, to be able to do that. But it is a thing that I, I I wanted to thank you for because there's pressure. There's always pressure, and it's and it's not like just when that stage moment happened that there was pressure for you. I'm sure. I'm sure in every room that you've ever walked into that there's been pressure for yourself, for everybody else, for, you know, for all the things that, that go along with that. Um, and to hear you share that, it, it, it means a lot because it, it, 
it was a very special moment. Not only for for I'm sure for for you in that in that moment we're getting through it, but it was a thing that when we left that room, we were like, that was the thing that made all of that day worth it was to be able to see you on that stage rep- representing all the things that you represent in such style and such grace and and and, and knocking it out of the park and doing it in the way that you did. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and it's also, it also brings me to, to a, a part of the conversation that's about not only that moment, which was very special and, and amazing, but it's a great thing to see that you have a team backing you that was like, Sarah, do this because it's a thing that should yeah. be done. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that from the, from the company perspective, because I think that is a very important thing. I'm doing some of that work mm-hmm. at, at, at the company I work with at, over at Intel, uh, and we're having a lot of those conversations often about like, how do we want this message to be out in the world? How do we want to think about this in bigger ways? What what ways can we knock down ceilings and doors, right? Um, having that be a fundamental thing within Microsoft and especially in the Xbox group. Um, talk a little bit about like why that has been so important because I feel like it makes everything, we, we, we say this often, it makes everything better, right? There's nothing that it doesn't touch that yeah. makes better. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about what that means from from a from an, a person who's on the inside, seeing it every day, and, and working with folks, and, and 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 sharing those stories, and sharing those moments and triumphs together. You know, what are the kinds of conversations like for for you working out there, and what does DNI mean uh, in the Microsoft Xbox space? Yeah, you know, I Microsoft and Xbox is the first place I've ever worked where it was even okay to talk about DNI. Like it was even okay to say, gosh, I feel uncomfortable about this in this moment, or I don't, you know, something feels biased to me. Um, and, and it is the first place I've ever worked where I do feel like I am accepted as Sarah, like warts and all, you know, like, yeah. um, um, and all of the imperfections. And, and I think that that is, I mean, it's, it's enormously, it's a relief in a lot of ways. Like, I think I'm also, I've done my best work here because I, I'm not carrying, I mean, you, we all carry it, but I'm, I'm not carrying as much of it and I'm not carrying it alone. Like I'll, I'll tell you another actual story about E3 related to this. I'd forgotten about this until you yep. just mentioned it, but during rehearsal, like they, we work on what outfit we're going to wear. And so sometimes, you know, let's say you do two takes, we'll do two or three fronts a day and you'll try different outfits so they can kind of see how we're the light and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I didn't have my, um, backstage credentials job because I had changed and Matt Rooney and I were backstage and we were like oh well we really want to go front stage and just see how it looks from there before we have to go on so we walk up the stairs and we're going around to go front stage and we're going to go through the door and a bouncer stops me and he's maybe six foot five authority you know um, not bouncer I guess security right all all in his gear he was stopped and he puts his hand right in my face what and for me frankly immediately kind of went to a flight or flight response which i think is based in being a black woman in america Mm -hmm. to be honest like i just could i almost i i froze you know i i wasn't able to verbally say no i'm actually one of the people on stage everything but matt was standing next to me and he didn't leave me there huh you know, and, and like, and he said, wait a second, explain, let's just get the person to come back and tell you who you are. 
And I mean, that meant a lot. Like I wasn't alone. Yeah. You know, I was shaking. Afterwards, I was still shaking. And my next tape was terrible. It was like my worst one. Like I yeah. forgot all my lives. Or anything. Like, <laughs> what happened to Sarah? Like, I, felt that, but I was still like this, like, oh my gosh, I just got threatened by this. But you know, it's like those little moments where I think Matt totally understood how it felt for me, yeah. you know, and he was just staying with me as a colleague and all of that stuff. Like that matters. Yeah. And so I, I do have a feeling like, um, you know, we're not perfect. I think we're all wrestling with it. I think we have a long way to go, yeah. but just being in a safe space with people who, who care about you, who see you as a human being, who recognize that we have our differences, but those are strengths and not weaknesses. You know, yeah. that is so, so valuable. And I, and I would say to everyone who listens, it's like, find an environment that's like that, mm. you know, because that's when you're going to be, have the, you're going to have the most joy. You're going to do your best work. None of us should have to work in an environment that is any different than that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. I, that those things always, it's, man, it's such an interesting thing because it, we all have had that moment and it's a, it's an interesting yeah. thing about blackness too, which is, you know, we are not a monolith, but we have these interesting, just like through lines that happen as experiences and conversations and things that are kind of like imbued within the culture that we have because of outside forces and because of, you know, racism, because of discrimination, because of all those things. And we have figured out ways to battle through and still be successful and still figure out ways to, to persevere uh, in all those, in all those ways. The, the thing is too, and I, I want to emphasize this. Yeah. The security guy actually was doing his job, right? He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like I didn't have my credentials on. He was told to stop everyone who didn't have credentials on. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, but it was more that for how it felt for me. Right. Was so different than how it would feel for Matt. Yep. Right. And that, and that the understanding, our mutual understanding actually of each other's perspective in the situation is actually what was powerful. Mm. That it's okay, it's actually good for more than one perspective to exist in the same space because then we can see more. Yeah. And I think that that, frankly, is what is so insidious about you know racism or discrimination and divisions that it 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 hives us off from each other. Yeah. Right. It it and it it says you could my view can only be true if your view is not true. But the reality is that you have to bring them together and find the commonality, right? That that is kind of like what you're trying to do with diversity inclusion. You're saying, I want many different types to come together and accept each other as they are and see the value in each other as they are. And and that's hard work. And I think it's just like a lot of barriers that have built up structurally and culturally for us to to figure out how to do that and not see it as a as combative but actually see it as almost like the greatest act of love that you can have in the world yeah just to love what you do not understand you know? yeah yeah it is it is it is hard work <laughs> it is it yeah. is some of the hardest yeah. work it is some of the hardest work that, that yeah. folks who who dig into this will do because mm -hmm. it is strife with so many different things. I know my own triggers. I know my own barriers. I know things that'll set me mm -hmm. off and as opposed to things that I know, I'm just like, oh yeah, like that person was just doing their job. 
maybe that wasn't racism. Maybe that was just that person doing what they were supposed to be doing. And you have to then think about the the constructs that everybody's kind of moving around in and taking that one step back to say like, all right, let me ground myself for a hot second and, and analyze that in a way that, that speaks to all that stuff. But the interesting part is like, you have to do it that fast <laughs> in the moment, which is the interesting part. Um, mm-hmm. And some people are, some people are better equipped to do that than others because of their life, life experiences. So it, it is, you know, thank you for that. That is the, that, that was a beautiful way to put that. Cause I think it is the crux of what this work is and why it is so important. And, and, and I'm happy to hear that Xbox is fostering a place where that can live. Um, it is a rare mm-hmm. thing that I hear from many people in not only the gaming industry, but industries across all different vectors and, and segments of like not having the ability to be them in the spaces that they occupy when they're at their nine to five jobs or, you know, their actual work jobs. Um, so hearing that Xbox mm-hmm. is doing that and has that as a fundamental thing gives me lots of lots of hope uh, and, and lots of and lots of uh, pride to kind of say that we've done work with them in that in that space before. So. That, that gives me yeah. a lot of a lot of happiness there. Um, if there, because we're, we're almost running out of time, um, and I wish I could keep you here for like another hour. Um, but I, I, I'd love for you to share, you know, just one thing that you would kind of give to folks in this space who are thinking about because they because the gaming industry is an interesting space. It is unlike anything else that I've mm-hmm. ever been in. Um, but I think for for folks who are in our spaces, a lot of the conversation is always kind of revolved around like access and finding out good ways to, to, to meet people who can be mentors or to find places to feel like you can be safe in some of those spaces and, and work your way through the industry up in it, up into it. Um, through your experiences and, and people that you've kind of spoken to, like if you were to give someone some advice about like ways to navigate this space in a good way for them, you know, everyone's different, but what would you share with people to kind of like get them in a good space to kind of start the work or at least to be able to feel like they can do that work and be themselves and, and, and fit and find good places to kind of, kind of do that work. You know, it's a complicated web often, but you know, there is nothing, um, better than developing your network and mentors consistently over time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's something, you know, they, there's a lot of research that says it's something that people who are underrepresented tend to have a harder time doing. Um, and it's, so it means you have to overinvest, but it means it overly pays back for you. So that's my number one piece of advice. Um, and really know your product and your customer. That would be another one, like know, know what problem you're trying to solve um, and who you're trying to work with. Like make your idea really solve something for someone um, is, is a second piece I would say and play, right? I mean, in this industry, like get your hands in there, like, you know, like really figure it out. And those would be the three things and don't give up. Like I, you know, this is the media form of the future. You know, I think people are starting to realize that, um, you know, last I looked, it was the second highest form of media right after TV, but growing about twice as fast. That was pre-pandemic. So <laughs> I bet you now um, it's the media form of the next generation. And you, we, we almost have to get involved again, back to that purpose of like, why do you do it every day? What do you want your kids to see? Right. What do you want interactive media to do? And it's most powerful because I think it generates more empathy. And so I think there's opportunity for 
an immense amount of impact by being engaged in, in shaping what it is. Oh. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I have to say, when I lit those candles and incense uh, a year and some change ago, uh, hoping to snag you to be on our show, um, this is exactly the conversation I was hoping to have. And I hope that we can um, continue to have you back on the show. Uh, you know, we, we consider folks when they come through uh, to, to rock with us as as fam, we, we, we want to see them grow. We want to continue to see them prosper and do all the wonderful things they do. And I, and I want to, again, thank you for continuing to inspire, continuing to, uh, to, to, to give us, you know, a person who we can say like, this person is doing it. And, you know, you can't deny that these things are real and that this, that this one individual is like making it happen in this space. And we can, we can figure out good ways to, 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 to do that work too. I'm infinitely inspired by you and you continue to, to drive me to be better at the job that I do in this small space. Um, so thank you for, for again, for rocking with us, for coming onto the show and hanging out with us for the time that we had you here. Uh, and hopefully, you know, I, I will help you with whatever games you need. Let's, let's get on some games and play some stuff and, and find some time to, to, to hang out and do that work too. So again, thank you so much for, for rocking with us here in Bricago. Uh, and we hope to have you back soon. Way, thank you. Um, honestly, it's an honor to be part of it. Thank you for lighting those candles and incense <laughs> and whatever you did. Like this is fun. Forty-five minutes went like that. Um, so just thank you for having me and like, and don't shortchange yourself. What you are doing is incredible too. Like, oh, thank you. Honestly, I admire what you're doing, and you keep with it. Um, and we're all doing it together. Like it's a team effort. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I, I really do appreciate that. It is it is always one of those things where I look back and was like, my God, those seven years went by really quick. <laughs> I was like, that was a long time. That thing happened real fast. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know, again, we'll be we'll be poking back in uh, through the proper channels to see if we can snag you to come back on later uh, in the year, maybe, you know, in 2021, you know, lots of conversations are going to be happening for Xbox and all the folks over at Microsoft there. Uh, so we'd love to have you back and, and talk about more of the wonderful things that are happening uh, over at Xbox uh, com uh, coming up soon. So um, everybody at home. Uh, that is our show for, for this week. Uh, again, thank you to Sarah for, for rocking with us. Uh, we have lots of cool stuff coming up, uh, for the rest of the week. Uh, we also have, uh, our NFL streams that are coming up soon. Again, thank you a huge bunch, uh, to the wonderful folks over Annapurna, uh, for, for, for rocking with us and sponsoring our show this week. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you all very, very soon here in Chicago. Much love to you all. We'll see you all soon. Peace. <laughs>